Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. Would you go take your Bible, go to Psalm 103 with me? There's a command here, but boy, this command has got so many blessings to the keeping of it and the obedience of it. If you read verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 103, O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's a command. We know there are moments and we're just told to do things and we're reminded, don't forget this. Why, my, my mom was always telling me not to forget something. And sometimes it became a big deal to her. And I can remember getting in trouble more than once because she told me once or twice or three or four or five times, don't forget this. And then I'd forget it. Be a problem, huh? My first assistant pastorate, I'm pretty fresh out of Bible college. I'm, work, I'm the youth pastor. And, this, and by youth pastor, it usually meant that meant you did everything the pastor didn't want to do, but it was called youth pastor. You know? And uh, pastor says to me on a Sunday morning, he says, I have to make this announcement about this upcoming banquet this Sunday morning. He said, I have to make it. Don't let me forget this. And he forgot it. And afterwards, he said, why'd you let me forget this? I said, Pastor, I didn't know what to do. I saw you did it, but I didn't know what to do. He said, well, I have to make it next Sunday morning. He said, don't you let me forget this. He said, if you have to stand up on the back pew and wave your arms to get my attention, don't let me forget this. And sure enough, he'd gone through the announcements. He was getting ready to preach. And he'd forgotten so I stood up on the back pew, <laughs> like this. And he completely forgot having told me that and asked the ushers to help me. <laughs> you know? And uh, only because I had witnesses that he had told me that did I get by with that. But I'm just telling uh, sometimes we're just instructed, do not forget this. Whatever you do, don't forget this. We got one of those moments but it's from the Lord. And we're told this. Forget not all his benefits. We're not supposed to let ourselves forget what it is that God has done for us. Saying about a conversation, a young lady, roughly my age, year younger than me, we were around each other when we were teenagers and involved in some things, serving the Lord together and came to a moment where I hadn't seen her for about 10 years. And when I ran into her, she was very obviously far away from serving the Lord and living for the Lord. And I asked her, what in the world happened? I said, I didn't know what happened. The memory I had of you, the impression I had of you, somebody living for the Lord and, and, and serving God, and, and now you're as far away from that as all you could be. What happened? She said, what's he done for me lately? 
I wasn't very tactful back in those days. Probably still not very tactful, but I'm better now than I was back in those days. So I just looked at her and said, have you been in hell lately? Why is it you're not in hell? Because what God did for you, there's some things we're not supposed to forget. Let's get to first one. Oh, verse 3, how glorious it is. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. What a glorious thought it is. All my sin has been paid for. It's already been paid for. My sin's already all been forgiven. And I can rejoice in the assurance of that today and tomorrow and the next day and however long it is that the Lord has for me to be here on this earth. I have this assurance. My sin is forgiven. And and I love that word, verse 3. I've often said this is the biggest word in the Bible. It shows up in several different contexts. But it's the word all. Forgiven all of mine iniquities. Yeah, I know there, there's a insecurity. People are going to say, but what about this? What about that? But he's forgiven all mine iniquities. He, he forgave all of my sin that I committed before I got saved as a 10-year-old boy. Is not exactly a very sordid story. I'm just a hyperactive kid. I always said it was everybody else's fault. They didn't ask to be hyperactive. When you're hyperactive, you always have to be doing something. And the law of percentages is that when you're always doing something, a certain amount of them will be wrong. (laughs) So I have a hyperactive grandson, and I'm his number one advocate. I understand how this works. All the sins I'd committed, I sure did know I was a sinner. I hesitated for a week after it all broke through to me before I actually trusted Christ. And I know this is going to sound strange, but I hesitated as the mind of a 10-year-old. I knew that if I got saved and I told my parents I got saved, it meant admitting that I was a sinner. And I thought they didn't know. Turns out they suspected already. (laughs) But all the sins I committed before I got saved as a 10-year-old boy on May 12, 1963, were forgiven. And guess what? All the sins I have committed since then. Forgiven. And the sins I may yet commit. Forgiven. Boy, that's something to remember. I had the assurance back then. When I got saved, it was explained well enough to me, whatever. I got it. When I got it, I had that assurance. You hear people have trouble with I've never really had any trouble with that. I understood my sin was paid for. Glory to God. I understood it when I was 10, and I understand it when I'm 68. My sin is paid for. Talk about something worth remembering. To be a comfort. Matter of fact, I know a lot of people have trouble with this. They have trouble believing the extent of it. But would you look at verse 10, which expounds on this? He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. 
want to get a picture of it? For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. See, folks who can't get a handle on that, how complete and total salvation is. They just have trouble coming to grips. Some folks say they can't get a handle on eternal security. They've just missed how complete the payment is that Christ made and what the issue is. Glory to God. I can start off every day knowing the issue is not how much faith I can have in myself. The issue is not my record. The issue is not whether I will be able to get through all that comes yet without ever having made a mistake. The issue is that Christ died for me. I I mentioned in Sunday school, I was saved in a church that did not have the plan of salvation as doctrinal statement. It was a denominational church. The denomination didn't believe that. And somehow the pastor got it and he preached it. And five years, I, I, was, I was a 10-year-old bus kid. I'm a 15-year-old bus kid. I come into church one Sunday morning and the bishop, they're reading a letter from the bishop that the pastor's been fired for not holding the doctrinal statement of the church. And that, of course, sparked all kinds of discussion. I, I was only 15 But man, I got this. What in the world are we talking about? I know who paid for my sin, and I know what the issue is. That Christ died for me. Talk about something not to forget. And by the way, you want to know what human being that God used to write this? They're not his words, they're God's words. We stress far too much the human authors of Scripture, because they were writing what God gave them to write. I think sometimes they wrote things they didn't want to write. Solomon wrote at great length, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, about what kind of utter fool you were if you allowed yourself to be fooled by sensual women. I doubt seriously that Solomon wanted to write that. Because in the history of the planet, nobody was ever made more of a fool of by sensual women than he was. I doubt if he wanted to record that. Weren't Solomon's words, they were God's. But you want to know whose words, humanly speaking, who God used? You go back to the beginning. A Psalm of David. That's part of the text of Scripture. I think David might have thought, you know, it's really worth remembering that Christ paid for all thy sin, even as far into sin as David fell. The Messiah had paid, was coming to pay for it. What a thing. Don't forget it. Don't ever forget it. And forgetting all those benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and and then again in verse 3 says, who healeth all thy diseases. Yeah, I I know some people get carried away with this and they miss what is being said there. And they'll say, well, you know, he talks about healing our uh, diseases. And they say, I ask the question is, do you believe there's healing in the atonement? And some of the folks that talk about that all the time, they think that means right now you have a guarantee that anytime you get sick, God will heal you physically. And and that's the guarantee from Scripture. And they've missed it. Yes, the Bible does promise there's healing in the atonement. The Bible does promise that he heals all our diseases. The Bible repeats that in Isaiah 53 and in Matthew chapter 8. But there's a point to this. 
I am guaranteed to be delivered from every physical weakness and ailment. I am not guaranteed that I will be delivered from them tomorrow. By the way, I'm guaranteed that one day the only nature that I have will be a nature that never sins. But that guarantee isn't fulfilled today. Because today I have two natures. The new man and the old one. But I got a guarantee. If I get frustrated with myself, because I have not lived up to that standard of perfection yet, glory to God for the blessing and promise, there is a day I will never struggle with sin again. But it's not this morning so far. <laughs> there will be a day that I have a perfect body that does not feel any human limitations. But it hadn't been this morning so far. Glory to God, I, I have folks that ask me. I've been known my whole ministry for keeping an intense schedule. And a lot of folks still think I do. I'm not keeping anything compared to what I used to do. And I've noticed the limitations of the body become more sharply defined the older that you get. I did things in the old days. I have driven all night to be in a service on Sunday morning and preach. I was tired driving from Quentin Road this morning. <laughs> I can remember literally doing all that, and man, I would get there, and I'm popping out of the car, and I'm up, and I'm ready. To... That didn't happen this morning. <laughs> like the alarm rang, and I said, you're kidding, this can't possibly be right. <laughs> I've discovered arthritis. I've discovered that there are circumstances like cold weather that make it worse. All my diseases, all my challenges, all my physical limitations, they're not only not gone, they're getting worse. But I got a promise not to forget this. That whatever physical limitations I have to deal with, whatever pain I have to feel, whatever challenge I have to go, it's all temporary because there is a day coming when it's all taken care of. And Paul wrote about this. He said the Lord had allowed him to have a messenger from Satan that came and challenged his flesh and made it difficult. And he said three times he asked God to take it away from him. And God didn't. But he said God's strength was sufficient for him that he could go on. I have the promise of God that one day all of my diseases, all of my physical limitations will be gone. But so far it's not today. And then there's another promise in verse 5. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. 
The Lord meets our needs. He gives us strength for the moment and the challenge, sustenance, healing, protection. It is incredible all of the things that an almighty God does for us step by step. And we have the promise that he is with us, that he protects us, that we don't go through these things alone. I, uh, oh, about a year ago, two grandsons at the time five and two and we were going through this farm thing with them and had all these kind of animals out and all that and they had a coyote at the farm and that coyote looked like he was about to get out of his cage and he was snapping at my two-year-old grandson before I could get to the situation, my five-year-old stepped between his little brother and the coyote and wrapped himself around his little brother like that. So he was the one facing the coyote. I told him, it was the bravest thing I ever saw a little kid do. But guess what? I have somebody that protects me like that. All the time. It doesn't mean he's never, ever going to let anything happen to me. In his providence, sometimes things happen. People that know the Lord sometimes face danger and difficulty and are allowed to experience it. But the fact is, I always have a protector and nothing is ever going to happen to me that is not for the best. I never walk alone. I always have a protector. And I should never forget that that I have the hand of God and the blessing of God like that. And something else in verse 6. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Huh. The Lord balances all the accounts. If I am ever persecuted, or mistreated, or misused. Matter of fact, the Bible says three times, vengeance is the Lord's. It's never mine to balance those accounts. But the Lord balances all those accounts. I remember some years back, a uh, preacher got angry at me. Some of what he was angry at was my fault. Some of it wasn't. But his reaction was, was way over the line. He said, I'm going to see to it you are out of the ministry. No one will ever have you preach for them again. You'll have no opportunity. He said, when I'm done, you will not be in the ministry anymore. I remember saying to him, if you're powerful enough to take me out of something God put me into, that kind of power shouldn't be wasted. So you go ahead and do it. And he worked at it. Truth is, within a year, he was out of the ministry, never to be in the ministry again. And ever since then, I've had more ministry than I could keep track of. I mean, God has his own way of balancing the accounts and taking care of things. And, and we live in interesting ages, uh, interesting day, interesting age, more and more talk about persecuting Christians and stopping Christians and dealing with this and that and the other. And so far, the folks that want to do that stuff aren't able to get away with it very much. But, but they're certainly there. They'd like to. 
But here's something you ought not to forget. We have somebody that balances all the accounts. Doesn't mean we never go through persecution. What it does mean is that we go on and faithfully serve the Lord because we know he has everything under control all the time. There's something else to remember. It's amazing truth. Look at verse 8 and 9. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Don't you love this next word? It's an old English word. We don't use it much. Plenteous in mercy. I mean, there's more of it you can keep track of. It's plenteous. We don't use that word very often. We, we probably must, some of us could probably use it around Christmas time and say the, the table was plenteous, more food than we knew what to do with. I'll never forget mine and Cindy's first Christmas as a married couple. And uh, sometimes those things are really challenging. And, and uh, my family always had Christmas dinner about 11. And her family always had it about 2 o'clock. And we just thought, you know, everybody's expecting us to be with them. So we, we can do that. We'll go here and eat at 11. And then we're in the same town. We'll run right over and eat there at 2. And so we showed up at 11. And they poured food on us and poured food on us and poured food on us. There was more. It was Christmas. There's more food you know what to do with. But everybody there wanted you to try this and eat that and eat ants, this. And we could barely walk by the time we went to the second dinner. We walk in, there's a house full of food. And everybody expects us to try everything. The food that day was plenteous. We never tried that again, by the way, eating such dinners. We started alternating. You don't want to know what his mercy is like? It's plenteous. There's more of it than we know what to do with. That begins in salvation but it extends on in the graciousness and the kindness of God and how he deals with us moment after moment after moment. People say, I know some people don't like King James Bible. We don't like those words like plenteous. We don't use them very often. What word would you use to say more than you know what to do with? See, he deals with us like a loving father. Look at verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. And glory to God, it is a biblical truth. We've been adopted. We're in the family of God. We're treated like children. We're watched over like children. We're cared for like children. I am blessed to have a good son. He's been many ways a blessing to me. But I wouldn't say I had a perfect son. I can think of a moment or two as a teenager. And I wanted to say he got that from his mother. He didn't learn that from me. But I never had a moment that I thought of him as not being my son. I watch him 
as he disciplines my grandchildren, my grandsons. And uh, you know, being a grandfather is a very different experience than being a father. And as a grandfather, I'm not called to discipline my grandsons. I, I was pretty tough on my sons. I am not tough on my grandsons at all. I'm the classic example of the overindulgent grandfather. Not by mistake, I work at it. And I'll see my son about to discipline my grandsons, doing with them exactly what they need. And as a grandparent, I don't want to see them take that. But I got enough of a memory as a parent to know my son's doing exactly what a parent is supposed to do. And that they'll come running to me after my son disciplines them and, and I make a point of always telling them they should be grateful to have a father that loves them so much. He does the right thing and all that. When on the inside I'm saying, take your hand off my grandson. <laughs> so far I've gotten by with ever having saying it out loud. Glory to God, I have a father who pities me like a father pities a son. Who's plenteous in mercy, merciful and gracious, and slow to anger. Glory to God. I ought to remember that. How about this? He understands my weaknesses. Look at verse 14 15. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourisheth. I have a God that understands my weaknesses. There is a doctor in the old Puritans used to talk about. They called it dying grace. How that when a person, a believer was dying, God gave them peace about it. Peace that you would not have under other circumstances. I remember thinking about that. I had... I pastored a lady in the second church I pastored in, and she was 89 when I left that church. She'd been in that church, got saved in that church when she was 12. Served the Lord faithfully in that church for 77 years. And, and she's, she was a godly lady. If she was, We only had one hospital in town. If she wasn't in church on Sunday, I automatically drove to the hospital when church was over. I didn't ask anybody. If she wasn't in church, she was in the hospital. And a church had called a new pastor. I was leaving. I was going to Florida. New pastor was going to be there for six weeks. She was in a hospital, and I was going to see her one last time before the truck pulled out. I got there, and she said, Pastor, there were some people there. She asked them to leave. She said, would you do me a favor? I said, if I can. She said, would you pray that I die today? wasn't the first time I'd ever thought about praying that a church member died, but I'd never actually done it. <laughs> and I, I said, ma'am, that would be difficult. She said, would you please? She said, I want to be with the Lord so bad today. She said, nothing left for me to accomplish here. She said, I just want to be in heaven today. Would you please do this for me? I knelt down by her bed, took her hand, prayed, said, Lord, would you let this lady die today and go to be with you in heaven? And guess what message I had waiting for me by the time I got stopped that night? She died. 
was telling that story one time, and a guy that was 20 came up to me afterward. He said, man, he said, I can get that. He said, I just don't have anything like dying grace. I'm not ready to die. And I looked at him and said, are you dying? He said, no. I said, why would the Lord waste dying grace on somebody who's not dying? But one day when you need it, you're going to have it. And, it'll be there. and I have been with some folks, and their spirit was so sweet, and they were so comforted, and they were so ready, and it was so okay, because God knows our limitations, and he gives us what we need. And even in that moment, that drastic, and every bit of our self-preservation instinct is there, a person that's right with the Lord, God gives them what they need. And for them, dying becomes a sweet experience. And I've seen it. I've seen the look on people's face. I've been with them. I've even heard them talk about the music, how glorious the music was when there wasn't a note playing that I could hear. Or how incredible the light was when we were just in a normal room. But God was giving them what they needed. And one day he will me. And one day he will you. something to learn from this what we ought not to forget would you look at verse 20 through verse 22 bless the Lord ye his angels that excel in strength that do his commandments hearkening into the voice of his word bless ye the Lord all ye his hosts ye minister of his that do his pleasure bless the Lord all his works and all places of his dominion Oh, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You and I have a reason to live in continual gratitude with all the Lord's benefits. I've had moments when sometimes I'm tempted to forget. I've had things that reminded me. I was in Syria and had my picture taken with 12, it was six pictures, each picture was with two guys, underground preachers. Not that long after I was gone, their church services were all in there, they all held church service in a living room with 10 people would be a good crowd. One of them was preaching in his living room. One of the guys I have my picture with. When one of the militants shot through his living room window and shot him and killed him in the middle of a sermon. Every once in a while, I, I, some thought will cross my mind about the level of challenge of the ministry, and, and I think about him. So, you know, I don't really think I have it rough. I think I do, maybe I should remember. Or when I was in Syria, a preacher from Iran heard there was an American preacher in Syria, and he'd never met an American preacher because they're not allowed to go to Iran. He'd always wanted to meet an American preacher, and they had free communication between Iran and Syria, so he just showed up because he heard there was an American preacher there. Stayed with me in the hotel. It was interesting because he didn't speak any English. And I don't speak any Farsi. All sign language. 
and you could have done a situation comedy off of it. I was trying to figure out how to say things to each other. His ministry smuggles Bibles into Iran. A couple years later, I got word he'd been caught smuggling Bibles into Iran. So to make sure that he never smuggled any anymore, they cut off both hands at the wrist to make sure he wouldn't be a Bible smuggler anymore. And every once in a while, thought might cross my mind that the ministry is challenging. And then I think about him. I think maybe it's not so challenging after all. Not any ministry that I've ever had. Uh, worst that's ever happened to me is I've had people call me names. Doesn't seem like so much anymore. Don't forget. Don't forget what the Lord did for you in salvation. By the way, if you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, you can put your faith and trust in Him this very morning. You ought to do that. You ought not to leave this day without knowing that Christ is your Savior and your sin is forgiven. If you want to say, well, what about this? What about that? But all thine iniquities. And as a believer, you ought not to forget. And if the challenges of the body are a little demanding, sometimes they are. Glory to God, aren't you glad they are all temporary? Glory to God. It's, it's been a crazy year thinking about the limitations of the body. COVID and all that's gone with it. It's been a crazy year. Aren't you glad all this is temporary? Glory to God. Do not forget what God has done for you. Man, some people are just happy and contented and they seem blessed all the time. It's not because their life never has any challenges. Because they haven't forgotten what God has done for them. Forget not all his benefits. Pastor. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Stringer. Forget not all of his benefits. So, Pastor Stringer, two questions. So, first question is, how come when you speak, you get the applause? <laughs> but the second question, though, would be a legitimate question, though. <laughs> people that forget his benefits really are probably people that would have a tendency to be complainers or have anxiety or, or disgruntled because what has God done for me today, Right? Yeah, or what's God going to do for you tomorrow, but they've forgotten about the fact that they still have two hands, right? Yeah, so good, good insight today, and I hope it helped for all of us. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I got fed this morning. I trust you did too, and, and I was thinking as, as Dr. String was, was speaking about the lady he was praying with that she wanted to, to go home. Uh, our good friend Dick, you know, he's still alive. He's doing well. As you know, he moved to Kansas. I was in a nursing home, but 
talking to him before he left. That's, that's his attitude. Dick is a great member of our church. He's 89 years old and uh, had a stroke and, and just hasn't ever right been back to where he was before. But his attitude when I met with him the day he left, it was just kind of like, I'm ready to go whenever you're ready to go. <laughs> you know? And uh, that's just a great thing. Why? Because he knows for certain that his sin debt has been paid and he's trusted in Jesus Christ as a Savior. And he's not worried about eternity because he's not having to think, I got to pay for it, or boy, I hope I did enough work, or I hope I was good enough, or I hope God accepted me, or I hope God chose me. No. He knows that he's saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Why? Because he put his trust in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, three days later rose again. And then, and then his, his faith is what saves him. And it's not his works, it's not his church membership, it's not his baptism, it's nothing like that that saves him. It's not, nothing that he did on his own. It was totally by what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Church, don't, don't, don't forget to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ this season, okay? People are just receptive to it. I tell you, right now our society is in a, in a mode of, of despair. I think that's the word to explain it. It's just despair. What's going to happen? What's the new variant that's coming out? What's going to happen with our economy? What's going to happen with my money? What are we going to do with this hyperinflation? It's just, it's just despair and worry. So don't be afraid to be bold and share about the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried three days later, rose again, and all that you or I could ever possibly do is to accept it, to believe it, to put our trust in it. Yes, God, I'm a sinner. God, I can't pay for it, but I believe that Jesus Christ died in my place. He paid my sin debt. It's, it, literally, it's that simple. It's not a matter of going to church, not a matter of taking communion, not a matter of being baptized. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. And it's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, the Bible says. It's not a work, lest any man should boast. If you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior today, I encourage you to do that today. Because maybe you came into this building thinking, well, I'm here at church because of getting ready for a new year, and I'm going to be good this year, and God's going to accept me into heaven. That's not your goodness. It's not my goodness. I, I, I'm a sinner too. Uh, but it's, it's a matter of simply believing and accepting. God, I believe that Jesus Christ paid my debt for me. It's that simple. It is literally that simple. If you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do that today. And I encourage you, church, to share that good news to a lost and dying world. Would you do it? All right, let's have a word of prayer and we'll be done today. We'll close with a song. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your goodness. Lord, maybe there's someone here today that has never trusted in you solely for their eternity. Maybe there's someone that walked in here today thinking they had to be a good person, they had to repent from all the bad things that they've ever done, or, or they thought that they've got to turn over a new leaf, or maybe they thought, well, I'm going to join this church, and if I'm, if I'm a good enough person, maybe God will accept me into heaven. But Lord, you've said over and over in your word that it's not our works, it's not the good things we do that gets us to heaven. It's by grace that we're saved, through faith in the fact that Jesus Christ paid the debt for us. Lord, maybe someone today is trusting in you as Savior. They're for the first time believing in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We ask for a special blessing on them. Bring them back, Lord, that they could open up the Word with us and we could all learn about your love even more in the Sundays to come. Lord, we ask for safety today as we head home and head to our different ways. Bring us back uh, together again next Sunday, a time of worship as we bring in the new year this weekend. Lord, we're praying for safety the holiday travels, many people gone today, just pray you'd bring them back to us safely, Lord, on the road with all the craziness going on. So we pray all those things in your name we ask. Amen.
are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.